0: Welcome into The Harvest, friends. We are here to bring you the confidence and clarity you need to be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places of life. I'm Abigail Wilson.
1: I'm Andrew Stroud. And I am Lakeith Jones.
0: The gang's all here, friends. And we are bringing you a special podcast today. Um, We're naming it, What Will the Pandemic Change the Church? What will, how will? I can't talk, it's fine, we'll go from here. (laughs) How will the pandemic change the church? So um, in case you didn't know, the three of us have prophetic insights. We're gonna tell you exactly what's gonna happen, how it's gonna happen, and when it's gonna happen. So this is gonna be the best episode ever. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We are, however, going to just talk about um, the church as a whole, where we've seen it in the last you know, decade or so, what the stats show us, and then we're going to kind of take you into what we feel like Into the Harvest has to offer um, as we came into this pre-pandemic time frame, and then maybe how things are going to shift and what we can offer to the future church. So I think it's going to be a really great discussion. Um, guys, Shall we get started?
1: Yeah, let's dive in.
0: Let's jump in. I think this is going to be so much to cover we will forget about small talk you can find out about us (laughs) on social media friends okay so let's get into kind of where we have been as a church let's kind of lay the groundwork in conversation I have just started calling this um, PC pre-corona I just discussed that you know you know PC, we did things differently, and now here we are. <laughs> so let's do a little PC uh, discussion. Where um, where did we kind of see the church in the last decade, and what did it look like? What was the health of the church? Andrew, why don't you get us started?
1: Yeah, this is, as we were talking about this particular conversation that we wanted to have on the podcast, I, I think it's going to be fun because all of us are sort of, I, I think we're creative thinkers. We're definitely sort of um, look-ahead type people, Type thinkers, and that's really what we're going to do today. We, we, of course, don't know how the pandemic is going to change the church, um, but it'll be fun to speculate a little bit and, and just try to project where, where we might expect things to go. Um, but like you said, Abigail, it, it'd be great to kind of reset and start with, well, where is the church right now? And even maybe look back to what was the trajectory that the church, at least in America, was already on um, which is part of why we started Into the Harvest uh, several years back, is because we see the Lord already doing some pretty significant things in shifting the way that we understand and live out our call to be the church and to to make disciples. And this can really be traced back, I think, to the late 1990s, the early 2000s, um, it's been said that the Church of today in America is on life support, that' it's, it's really living on the, the energy and the culture that was created um, in decades past and even in centuries past, um, that there's there's not as much current relevance uh, in the church in America or that the church is losing relevance to the larger society. And I, I think that's true. George Barner wrote a book in the early 2000s, maybe the mid-2000s, called Revolution, where he predicted that the church would continue, the traditional church in America, would continue to lose ground. And I would say between 2005 and today, we've seen that, that play out. Um, I'm going to reference another, another study that was published in 2015 by a sociologist by, by the name of Josh Packard. And his study was was titled "The Exodus of the Religious Duns," D O N E S. And one thing that uh, Josh Packard mentioned in that study, he had surveyed, um, you know, thousands of folks who who were no longer involved in the church. What he found was that thirty one percent of American adults. This was in twenty fifteen. Thirty one percent at one time were regular church attenders but have opted out of the church as it is currently uh, lived out in America. You know, 31% of 300 million people is is a lot of people. So, you know, you're talking close to 100,000 folks. Um, and so, and these aren't people who never had an involvement with church. These are are people who once were regular attenders to a church service and have decided that it's not worth their time. It's not a part of the life that they want to live going forward. Now, half of that number can still consider themselves Christians. And so you've got you know, 30 to 40 million people who still identify as believers but are not involved in any kind of, of church community or certainly not church attendance. Um, and at that time in 2015, there were another 7 million who were almost done, who were sort of hanging on by a thread but thinking seriously about opting out of of church as it is traditionally practiced. Um, So there's a, uh, I would say there's a a trend that we've seen happening over the past 20 years where the church is, you could say, losing its relevance with our larger society. And I I would just say that the the pandemic, I would expect to, to only accelerate that but that would be one of the speculations. So let me just throw it back to you guys. What have you guys seen in terms of of trends within the traditional church in America over the past, you know, 15, 20 years?
2: Yeah, I think I was second your sentiment, Andrew, about just the church um,
1: hanging on by a
2: thread. I think that, um, yeah, the divorce rate for church is huge. Like so many people have been hurt or been disappointed by a leader or congregation that they're just done with church. I don't think that's fair. Like, I don't think that's um, the way it should be, but that's just reality. Like, usually when people are done with fellowship, dude, their next step is to be distant from God. It's just natural when you don't have the pack. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I see a decline for sure. Whether it's fair or not, I definitely see it. What about you, Abby?
0: Yeah, this is such a heated, not heated, a weighted question. Um, I feel like there's so much... um. There's so much to talk about, honestly. (laughs) I I feel like um, what I see is um, a lot of churches really scared in regards to their finances. Um, A lot of really big buildings not being full um, and just literally dying as the generations get older and pass away. So the new generation is not um participating in church the way um my parents and my grandparents did for sure. Um, my generation has a totally different relationship with church and whatever form. Um, and so I see a lot of that. Um, I think in the interesting thing is that here in San Antonio, um, while we are very much involved in the house church movement, we still have a lot of connections with um, the traditional church because we do a lot of trainings in traditional churches. And so it's been really interesting to see the different worries and concerns of our local pastors. Mm. And a lot of them, um, are fine and that's really interesting we'll talk about that a little later (laughs) um others are not and those the ones that aren't are the ones um that are you know have a really strong um head pastor like mr man at the top of the little peak (laughs) and uh and he is like leading hard and he is holding on strong to his leadership and probably has a lot of real giftings and talents in that area but this um and by the way this is all post what we're in now right now it's just going to perpetuate even more um they have found that there's no no way to really hold on hard enough like they're just Mm -hmm. there's not enough people there's not enough staff um they just keep having to add staff because there's no one volunteering and so there you have to pay all the staff um and there are And then they have a hard time finding anyone else unpaid to do anything. Um, So these are like the struggles that the American modern church, an unhealthy one is finding themselves in. Um, And that's really hard to see. So um, we did that for like, I don't know, 20, 20 odd years, maybe even longer. This is just what our little group has kind of looked at. And then lo and behold a little virus came along and uh <laughs> kind of added fuel to the fire don't you think like i yeah. in some ways what happened was what may have just kind of been like struggling along and like we gosh there i had i used to have in my mind the statistics of how many churches um close their doors every year uh, but it was a staggeringly high number oh andrew got it, it.
1: Yeah. So, so this last fall, fall of 2019, there was a think tank uh, that took place uh, over at Wheaton College and it was sponsored by um, the Send Institute. But this was, you know, they had over 50 church leaders in attendance and it was specifically about uh, church planting and missions in North America. So, you know, people, big, big name folks, big name, um, denominations were part of this. Uh, guys like Tim Keller, for instance. And some of the stats that they looked at was that um, on the one hand, you could you could be encouraged because on average, there are 4,000 new churches started every year. However, uh, there are 3,700 churches that close their doors uh, every year. So you have a, a, a net gain of, of 300 churches uh, per year, which, which doesn't come close to keeping up with the population growth in the U.S. today. And so that's just new churches. That's not counting the exodus of the Duns that Josh Packard talked about. So those churches are, there's two things happening. Like we're we're losing, a lot of the churches are closing up the, the buildings, uh, the institutions, and then even those that are still open are losing people um, across the board. And one of the statements that came out of this think tank, um, last year was, was this. So this is not my statement. This is a statement that came out of these 50 church leaders. They said the pastor led program centric building based church that is so predominant in the U S today is the church that is positioned to die. And so their, their takeaway after spending time together is that, um, Something has to change the the way we have been doing business. another uh, analogy that they used is that uh, we're building blockbuster video stores in 2019, and no one is coming, which I think is another great picture you know that it's just the wrong approach, the wrong model to uh to reach the the, the society and the culture that we're a part of. so I think you're right, Abby. I think that was already happening again, this was fall of last year. Like you said, this is PC, (laughs) pre-pandemic. And so now you have, of course, even people that were hardcore supporters of the traditional model of church in America have been forced to at least take a pause on their their normal rhythm of weekly gathering for that, you know, pastor-centric building-based program-driven model And it'll be interesting to see, well, what what kind of impact does that have going forward?
0: Yeah. Well, I think this um, transitions really well into kind of our next little topic to discuss, uh, which is kind of what we here at Into the Harvest have really been setting up to to teach and to encourage in and to kind of give to point to uh, for the last two years um I had a friend recently say gosh I feel like God told us a secret and I thought that was a really great point (laughs) um she was specifically referring to um zoom and like how zoom can really be used to to teach people and to have meetings um to do bible studies and she uh and her husband had been doing those for about, you know, a couple of years. And, you know, we in our ministry use Zoom all the time. So we did kind of feel like we had, were in on the secret, like we already knew how to use it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Um. But I think on a much bigger scale, I feel like God has let us in on a little secret um, that he had already kind of been pointing to certain things in his scriptures um to us uh, as a Mm -hmm. group that we were just seeing how we needed to make some changes and so we had a couple of things that we felt like as into the harvest we wanted to really focus on so we're just going to go ahead and go through those again because i think they're even more relevant now in um a post-pandemic also a PC, <laughs> um, in world that we're going to be entering into. So we're going to go into those now. Starting with, uh, we really want to use Jesus as our blueprint for everything that we do. So let's kind of unpack that a little bit.
1: Yeah, we're going to quickly talk about you know three pillars that that drive distinctive. And like you said, Abigail, this is part of what we're trying to promote and teach, but it's also, these are guidelines for the way that we live, the way that we're trying to be the church and make disciples in our local areas as well. And so we think of Jesus as the blueprint for life and ministry, which I think very few people would would disagree with, um, but I don't think it's actually practiced. I don't think most people are are trying to to pattern their daily lives after the life of Jesus, or that most ministries are trying to recalibrate everything that they're doing based on what they see from, from the life and ministry of Jesus. And that's something that we believe you can't improve on, that you're not going to get better than looking at Jesus and and trying to, to follow his pattern. I... I um, I heard a quote recently that I really like. It's basically, um, I'm going to butcher it, but you know, every, every yes to one thing is a thousand no's to, uh, to other things. And so I think we try to say yes to Jesus as our blueprint for life and ministry, but then we also say yes to, you know, um, a church that seems to be really growing. And so we're, we're going to try to practice what we see them doing plus what we see in the life of Jesus and what we don't realize is that every yes is a thousand no's, and you just can't do it all. Like you, you really need to look to Jesus and then focus on him and, and follow him for, for life and ministry. So that's, that's the first one. That's the first pillar that we're trying to live our lives after, and we're trying to promote. A second pillar is that we believe that the everyday places are preferable, are superior to the sacred spaces. Everyday places are superior to the sacred spaces when it comes to being the church and making disciples. So we are purposely trying to shift away from sacred spaces. They don't have a place for us in how we're trying to be the church and make disciples. And um, we think that that's actually an advantage. So Keith, why don't you share with us a little bit about how that's looked for us here locally or why we feel that way?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I love what you guys have been sharing so far. And I love our intro that Abby also gives often about, we want to bring you the confidence and clarity you need to follow Jesus in the 21st century. So we are not a pessimistic uh, podcast. We do want to encourage you and uh, help you seek Jesus um, during this time. So I think one big truth that stands out to me is that God doesn't drop the ball is not not aware of what's going on and what has been going on for a long time uh, because it can seem a little uh, defeating when you're like, man, what are we going to do? Like the church is mm. on a steady decline, like uh, how are we going to bounce back? Like what's the next step? Um, but I do, I really do think that God is using time like this to call pioneers and to call men and women of faith to really lead a new charge um, and lead in a different way. So uh, the last time the church faced, word. it was a uh, persecution back in the book of acts <laughs> and um it was i love what abby was saying about like this had been going on for a long time like this wasn't just uh something that sparked on us like the church had been you know going this direction for a while the pandemic just kind of brought that all to light so in the book of acts they were struggling as an early church and there was this big wave of persecution and i'll read a verse from chapter eight says a great wave of persecution began that day sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. So as a result of this, this horrible, you know, terrible persecution, people were sent out and it wasn't just the, the guys who were uh, in high places, you know, the, the official guys, it was laymen and women. So I'm hoping that, um, yeah, as a result of everything going on, that, Uh, yeah, people would step forward and and really lead in their corner of the harvest, so. yeah,
0: Um, You know, I was talking to a friend in Italy, um, but I think that they're just a couple of weeks ahead of us in a lot of ways, and uh, she was saying, you know, our church is struggling because uh, we've basically been told that within 2020 and maybe 2021, we can't have more than 50 people in a room. Um, and she said, and we just don't know what to do. And I, uh, I really bit my tongue and I was like, I didn't want to say anything, but what I wanted to say. <laughs> and she knew cause she's like my best friend. I wanted to say like, I know exactly what you should do. <laughs> Um, And I'm excited. I think it's so great when God really just explodes his church. Like you were saying, Keith, that's what he did in those first few chapters of Acts. He took his people who were gathered together, and that was good and right. And he knew it was time. And so he lit that match and Mm -hmm. out they went and they hit the road and they moved and the gospel spread with them. And I think what we have today is a lot of people sitting in pews um, waiting to be served by their staff. And now we will literally not be able to do that anymore. And that's super exciting. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, if you're listening to this and you're like, what are we going to do? The church will never be the same. Just praise God for that. Like be excited (laughs) because he has a plan for you and what he has already been teaching you and preparing you for. This is it friends. It's about to get real good.
1: Hey friends, thanks for watching the show. I wanted to take a quick moment to say if you're someone who's looking for insights, ideas, and inspiration that will fuel your faith for the 21st century, then make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter, Harvest Highlights. It's free and it's loaded with resources that will help you be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places. So make sure you check it out. There's a link in the description of this video. Back to the show.
0: Um, So I think we had one last thing that we kind of as Into the Harvest really want to highlight and focus on and if we're doing our job right then we'll bring it to you but you know we want our mission to fit the culture that we're in. We don't want to be a blockbuster in the middle of streaming services so we want to look around and see you know what is happening in our current culture. Um, That's why already being equipped to do Zoom is so great, Um, by being able to realize that people are on the internet, like here we are on YouTube, because guess what? That's where the people are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we want to be aware, Um, we don't wanna be the world, but we wanna be aware of the world and what the world is doing Um, and we can absolutely be a part of it and in it and understand popular culture um and speak biblical truth that has always been the same into that um you want to add anything to that andrew
1: no i like that a lot and and that's that's like you said the third pillar is you know the way we engage with the world and the way that we go about living the mission of Jesus, we want it to be relevant to the culture and the age that we find ourselves in. And it's something that we actually talked about on a recent podcast that um, tradition often breeds complacency. And it's just kind of the nature of the beast. And so as long as we do business as usual, which is, you know, it's a temptation for us as the church that we've always done it this way, this, this is the best way. Um, you know, we're not going to make the adjustments that we need to make because culture is, is moving like culture is fluid. And so if we want to stay relevant to the culture, which we do, because we're called to be lights within the culture, um, then, then we need to be shifting and engaging in a way that makes sense. Um, and the other thing that's, that's changing rapidly is because of technology, the age that we live in, um, looks so different than it did even 20 years ago, that if we're not willing to take advantage of the um, the advances that we see in the world around us in terms of technology, then other people are going to be there. It just won't be the people of Jesus, and that's unacceptable to us. So um, yeah, those are the three pillars. So I don't know if you, Abby, you think we should kind of shift into looking ahead. So so how do we see the the pandemic? Affecting yeah,
0: maybe we can just kind of practically talk about that, too. I think those of you listening are probably tracking. You've been listening to us for a while, probably. And so you're probably just ready. Like, I think most of us feel very ready to just get started, get our feet on the ground, so to speak, and get working. So kind of how we see things progressing. What can we do as believers who already kind of feel like we have a, like a beat on what's going on? Um, where do we see things heading from here? And how can we help facilitate that, I think? Um, so, yeah, uh, why don't we just get into that? Um, who wants to go first?
1: Yeah,
2: I can go, well, Abby. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking, um, just like on that last topic, I'll kind of keep going with that. my last thought about the church being persecuted and kind of moving out. And I think, um, yeah, what we can look forward to was there was a wave of individuals that rose up after that. Uh, weren't necessarily talked about before the persecution happened, but uh, afterwards went on to do some really great things. So a few names, uh, if you're digging in that Bible daily, you'll probably be familiar with some of them for sure, but Philip and the Egyptian eunuch, uh, Cornelius and his whole household, Barnabas, uh, Lydia, for the ladies out there, Lydia was definitely one of those individuals, Silas, Titus, Timothy, and of course, Paul. But those individuals really didn't come around until after uh, this big wave of persecution had came. So you can think about it in our modern sense that we have this thing going on and uh, there's almost going to be like Abby was saying, a time where we can't focus on the masses. Like you're not going to have a certain amount of people to focus on. You can't focus on you, you know, mm. And if Jesus really is our blueprint, um, you see this in this life and in this ministry. So I would, uh, like to encourage you wherever you are, that you can be a part of this. Uh, You don't have to wait uh, until the right resources or until you you feel ready, but God has already equipped most of you or, or put somebody in your path that is equipped that you can get trained from to be sent out. So you can join those lists of individuals who really led the charge. the P word really uh, took over. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I like that a lot, Lakeith. And I think you're right. I love, I love the reference to Acts 8. Because it, it, it hopefully will parallel where we see the church going here in America for sure, and hopefully worldwide. Um, someone once said that the first megachurch was the first church. You know, the church in Jerusalem had five thousand plus uh, members at one point, but that was the church in the world until Acts eight. In Acts eight, of course, the Lord um, allows persecution to scatter. The, uh, the common believers, the everyday members of that church, and they went out proclaiming Jesus. And so I think uh, two things happened. One is, what I think you were referencing, is that you don't just look to your all-stars. If you were in the church in Jerusalem those early years, of course it's natural to look to Peter, uh, John, the, these guys who had been with Jesus. That was natural and appropriate. But if you read closely there in Acts 8, Everyone was scattered except the apostles. So the all-stars basically stayed in Jerusalem, and it was, it was the, the rookies who went out and began to share. And so that's one thing that I hope will happen. A second thing that I think will happen is people, like we will have to learn how to reach individuals and our neighbors versus having events, out, outreach events that are geared towards bringing in large groups of people and then uh, trying to to reach them as as a whole again. I think that that's um, that's going to be a very positive thing, even though it will probably be somewhat painful for us as members of the church because we're going to have to learn a new way of doing things. But the end result, I think, is going to be very positive for the uh, the church in America.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think some other things we need to remember is um, that. We talk about this persecution and we just kind of rush past it, but uh, persecution means pain. It means people were being killed, they were being hauled off to jail, like bad stuff was going down. Hmm. Um, I think as a country, we're really entering into a real time of suffering we're not already there then it's coming our way Um, just the economy is in a really hard place and the coronavirus is really has not subsided we have not seen the end of it as of yet so um, we are really in a trying and difficult time where people are suffering whether it's because of those two things or is it because they're alone and they're literally in their home and they're lonely and maybe for the first time ever they realize they need community and they need Mm -hmm. other people um or they're just their anxiety depression levels are off the charts and they're looking for the answer and we have it (laughs) we Mm -hmm. have jesus Mm -hmm. and people are really looking like they have not looked in a long time so that's a really encouraging thing for us but it's also a call to action. Um, When we're, we do have to go out and about. Um, I was talking to a note evangelist in my life. Like this dude shares the gospel with a tree if he sees it breathing. And he was telling me last week about, you know, he had to go to the doctor. And so at the doctor's office, he shared with like, six different people um including the doctor and just um really took it he was like you know there's a there's been a virus in this world for a long time and that virus is sin and then he like just went hard <laughs> after the gospel now this is a, an evangelist you guys so i don't know if any of us here would probably be so bold but maybe we should be because the point is is that the god is priming our country for what could really be a huge movement of the spirit but like you guys said it's going to be probably our neighbors who we have to mm-hmm. reach and we've been talking about this for a while which is so cool but we yeah. are now going to be forced to have to do it because it's literally the people around us it's the people in our neighborhoods on our street it's the mm-hmm. friends that we already know it's the people that god has already put into our lives whose numbers are already in our phones those are the people that we have contact with right now those are the people we can text and check in on and see how they're doing and um you know make connection with uh i think it was this last week um i met with a couple of ladies who are in my book club and uh we all social distanced on picnic blankets who were sitting apart in a park and uh we'd been there for about an hour and you know this lady comes up and is like i saw you from my from my house And I just had to come over. Like, I want to be friends with you. You look like you're having so much fun. I mean, (laughs) I know we're cool, but we're not that cool. (laughs) And my point is, is that she was hurting. Like she was missing people. Like she came out of her house and she came over and she wanted to talk to us. So I think we're going to see more of this. You guys, we're going to see more of a need in our communities and it's whether or not we're going to step up. Um, because it's really just down to us now. It's not, our pastor isn't here. Like he's not here in this room. He wasn't there in that park with my three friends. So we have to really take what we have, our relationship with Jesus, and it's time to go at it. So it's exciting.
1: <laughs> um,
0: I had one last verse, um, just in thinking about this podcast today, I was reminded of Isaiah 43, 19, which says, um, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it spring forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And if there was anything that I would describe the United States, PC, it would be a wilderness and a <laughs> desert. So I'm pretty excited. Um, that was, you know, a specific prophecy, but I'm just going to go ahead and claim it for us now too, um, that, you know, the Lord is doing a new thing. And so let's not try to get back what we had and cling to that thing, Right, we have a new thing. So it's exciting.
1: Well, I know we're wrapping up here, but I I just want to like jump on that, Abigail. No, I like it, Isaiah 43. Um, I think, um, I think what's exciting is that the Lord is the one who's behind this. Uh, You know, not so much that he, I'll say he's using the pandemic for his purposes. That's the way I will I will say it. Um, I do think that we can expect business as usual will not return when it comes to the church in America. I think that the traditional church, like you said, um, that this will be this will be an accelerant that the pandemic will actually accelerate the decline of attendance in the traditional model of church. There will be people who don't come back either because they just realized that that Sunday attendance didn't really improve their life, it wasn't really something that was adding value, and they've gotten by fine without it over the past couple of months, or because they just watch a service online, which I do think will also increase. A lot of uh, big churches will go online and they'll stream their service. But, um, But I also think that the church will go small in a very healthy way that even traditional churches will look for ways to uh, break down their members into smaller gatherings where genuine relationships can happen. And then groups like ours, I, I think, will hopefully continue to reach folks who are unchurched or dechurched, because these, these 31% of adult Americans who are done with the, digital, the traditional church, they're still out there. And uh, many of them still have a faith in God or an interest in God. And that is a huge part of of our mission field is to reach the people who are around us. So um, I think our team would say we're we're actually very positive about the future of the church, even though it's going to look different. Keith, you got any last thoughts as we wrap up? No, I think
2: that was, I think you guys, you guys crushed it. You guys covered it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I think also, yeah, just a lot of optimism. Like, um, I think I'm excited for the future because like, yeah, God had to force their hand in the book of acts like uh the initial mindset into it was kind of it probably was hard to be like man god loves us like why would he allow us to go through this pain and why would he so much suffering like god what are you doing up there you know but god had a bigger plan so yeah i think i'm optimistic about the future and how we're already kind of trying to do this but i think this just confirms more so our conviction about being into the, being in the harvest and uh, serving the lord that way
0: Mm, yeah absolutely um my my oldest son asked me today um because we were kind of talking about these things and talking about church i don't even know how it came up things come up when we're on our walks but (laughs) um he was like so wait are you saying that god like sent the pandemic and i was like No, 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 (laughs) not what I'm saying, but I do believe God will use it. And he definitely is. And that brings me great comfort. I think anytime I can really perceive that God is not surprised. He never is. He always sees things coming. And so even when I'm surprised, when I'm thrown off, I can always have the confidence to know that he has been preparing us, that he has been working behind the scenes in ways that we will maybe only realize much later and look back. So um, I'm excited. And all of you listening, I hope you're encouraged by this. I hope you're encouraged by what God is doing and will do as we see things continue to unfold in this new PC time (laughs) so um, we hope that you enjoyed this if you have any thoughts on what we talked about today we would love to hear them any questions that have come up for you as you were listening we would love to hear those we have a um, another answer your questions uh, podcast coming up in the nearest future so if you would like to be um, on that you should hurry up and give us your question we want to answer it so um, yeah thanks for listening and we'll see you next week
2: All right, bye, guys.
1: Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. Or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible.